How's it going, everyone? Tom here from the Fit Dad. Oh my God. <laughs> it was because we were talking about David Goggins. How's it, everyone? Tom here from the Complete Dad. Hope you guys had an awesome Christmas. Hope you enjoyed uh, Monday meditations that came out on Monday and are looking at just at least reflecting on your practices as far as your technology and how that kind of the culture creep creeps into our lives and kind of makes us feel like we're doing the norm. And uh, if we look back a few years ago, we'll see that we've kind of, you know, given up a lot of our uh, independence, I would say, and uh, kind of things that are enjoyable and fun and are natural and kind of our real life to this kind of counterfeit culture. Um, not that that's wrong. And I think that using technology as we're doing now, um, there's a lot of benefits for it, but that's something that I'm really focusing on moving into the new year is just pulling that back a little bit almost to the extreme so that I can be intentional. So that's kind of what it is, Josh. Um, good morning to you anyway. Um, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Yeah, it's early here. Um, vacation up at, uh, up at the crack of dawn. Well, sun won't be up for a couple more hours, but I, I, uh, I'm digging it, man. I was, I'm glad that we, we kept the time slot, yeah. um, start the day right. We've had some lazy days here. Um, Same. It's been kind of hovering around zero and then dipping down to like minus eight and then back up to two. So anyway, it's been wet and rainy and icy. So we're kind of all going a little stir crazy just because it's not really been conducive to uh, mm. to getting outside too much. It's actually been fairly dangerous. <laughs> the whole the whole neighborhood is just like a sheet of ice. I think I've gone through like three pails of salt already. So um, yeah, good to get up, have a good conversation and uh, looking forward to our chat. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I kind of hope it gets colder because when it's hovering around zero and above, you kind of have this rainy weather the whole time. And then as mountain bikers, my son, who's 10 now, um, it's very dangerous on the trails when it's wet. It's actually less dangerous when it's when it's really cold. I mean, obviously, when it's icy, that's another whole deal. And that's the problem is after it rains, then it can go below zero. And then everything, like you say, becomes ice. So I'm kind of hoping for a dry spell and then it to go below zero and stay there. So we can actually go out riding without risking our lives more than necessary. But it's been, it's been quite interesting because after doing that podcast yesterday, that word that we throw around and gets bandied about a lot by people, intentionality is what kind of has been something that I think is very important to remember all the time. It's like we, we say it and we know it's important, but we slip back into being unintentional. And that's with, why I use that example of the technology is that I, I think that you can only be intentional when you put things in place. When you're kind of just going with the flow, it kind of takes you with it and you kind of just end up doing things. And then you're trying to react instead of respond. You're not, you're not being proactive. So what I've done by taking all the TV away from all of us and to minimize any unnecessary use of devices. So anything that I'm doing for the complete dad, that's what I'm doing because it's coming up to you know running the course and kicking that off on the 3rd of January and just communicating with our current members and just finding where everyone's at and communicating with you. And then obviously developing the course that unnecessary use. So you pull it back completely away so that I can then build it myself because what's happened is that it's just kind of happened to all, a lot of us. It's just kind of, we ended up, okay, I got the new cell phone. Now I got Instagram and then it just goes. So what I want to do is be super intentional is like I said, I pulled it back until new year. And then what I want to do is I want to say, okay, so where, do I put it back into my life in a positive way? I mean, it seems kind of weird because we shouldn't even have to say that, but I don't think we think like that. We don't really think, well, okay, here's TV. How is this now going to influence my life positively? We're like, I want to watch TV now. Okay, I'm sitting on the couch. Okay, I'm getting hungry. Let's grab the bag of chips, the salsa. Oh, feeling a bit more peckish, need a bit of chocolate or 
like you said, we go to the fridge and we're wondering what we're doing there and we find out it's actually just boredom um, as opposed to being intentional and going, okay, on Friday nights, it's movie night for me and my wife. We're going to, we selected the movie. It's something that we really want to watch. That's going to be a good thing to watch because let's be honest, Joshua, I think we're really honest with ourselves. A lot of the TV and the shit we're putting into our minds from producers and, and movie stars and, and what it is, is not really positive just for what we're seeing on the screen. And when we inundating ourselves with that day after day after day, without actually being intentional, that there's a good message that it's something that will, because I want movies to inspire me, at least inspire love between me and my wife to look at characters and go, wow, like I posted Gladiator Maximus yesterday on Instagram. Like that movie makes me go, holy shit, like look what this man did and what he what he was sacrificing and how his family was. And when he talked of home, you know, just those moments mm-hmm. where you're like, fuck, mm-hmm. I'm taking this away from this movie. I look at Maximus, I'm like, well, there's someone to emulate. Um, whereas I think when we get addicted to these things and just going with them, we don't, like we go to Instagram, we're not constantly thinking, okay, well, I'm following Joshua Laycock. How is this benefiting my life? Okay, it's not. Cheers, Joshua Laycock. Or actually, you know what? His videos on such and such really gave me a little boost the other day and he makes me thinking different ways which is the truth by the way um <laughs> uh, makes me have a different perspective okay cool okay this person here is just being controversial and making you know making extremes here that's not really worth following or at least not worth and um worth commenting on and so when we pull it back i think we have more of an ability to then put it back in place in a way that's going to then benefit us more but i'm i'm really glad that it does that I'm glad that it becomes so mindless because it reinforces the power of habit. At the beginning, one point, we probably don't remember when we consciously made the decision to go watch TV or someone consciously made that decision for us. And then all of a sudden you do it a couple of times and then all of a sudden it becomes a habit. And the reason why, right, that we instinctively like my and I'll, and I'll be I'll be honest, my my daughter, who's who's usually the first one up of the crew other than me, she wakes up and she kind of shuffles her way downstairs and then curls up on the couch and watches TV because she's sort of been programmed not to wake the whole world up when yeah, she yeah, gets yeah. up. But so it's not great. It's not great that like if we're bored, we we reach for the iPad and watch Netflix or something. But it to me, if you can kind of sort of find that silver lining to it, it's a reminder of the importance of or the, the power of habit. And that's something that we talk about um, in our group all the time, right, is building habits. And they're because the thing is, is that 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 habit that is now so instinctive and so automatic for watching TV or grabbing your phone, it can be the same habit of I'm bored, I'm going to. I don't know, do some push-ups or I'm going to grab some carrots to eat or something. You know what I mean? Like you can reinforce or grab a book. Like you can, that, that same power of habit will work to your advantage is, as long as you're prepared to do the work up front. I think the difference being that conscious decision to watch TV the first time is probably pure pleasure. Mm-hmm. Whereas the conscious effort to have a workout or eat healthy or grab a book or have a conversation with someone, mm-hmm. that's a little bit more work up front. But once you get past that little more work piece, it's just another habit that your brain, like use your biology to your advantage. Mm. But it's what we talk about is, you know, you mentioned it there is conscious decisions instead of living unconsciously. I mean, that's where self-awareness comes into, 
into play. And when we start to actually think about what we're doing and that word again, intentionality, where it's kind of like, okay, I want to develop this habit or, you know, when I'm bored, I'm going to do A, B, and C because otherwise we're just responding to these cues in our environment the whole time. You know, okay, well, Hopper's eight, the kids are down, my butt's going on the couch. I mean, that's happened to me for quite a while, you know, like that's what's going to happen. And then almost I rush things so that I can get that little cherry on top of the cake every day. It's like, well, I deserve this now. I need to sit on the chair now. now and now my whole life, and this is a horrible thing. And maybe guys listening here can think if they do this as well, because I can only speak from my experience, but somehow my day is sometimes almost totally aimed at sitting on the couch and enjoying watching TV at the end of the day. It's almost like I'm going, that's my goal. I'm like, okay, I'm getting through work here. Okay, cool. I've got the kids now down. Okay, we'll, we'll play a little game. Okay, we'll get the food going. Okay, cool. Dinner's done. All right, cool. It's 7.15. Let's get the kids. Okay, everybody upstairs. Let's get going. Blah, blah, blah. Harry Potter reading. And then like, okay, lights go out. Okay, rad. I'm lying in my son's bed. I'm like, okay, cool. He's going to fall asleep just now. He falls asleep <laughs> in that beautiful feeling of climbing out of his bed and going downstairs yep. and then knowing that, that, that feeling, that thing's coming. And then, and then I watch the TV. And because it's become so banal and mundane and every day, it really isn't pleasurable anymore. It doesn't have that sweet taste of like, say, if you were eating steak every day, believe it or not, you would probably get tired of steak. Whereas if I eat steak once every now and then, it's like that beautiful taste, like a, a ribeye that's been cooked medium rare over the flames. And I've really, and, and think about it, like if I'm cooking steak every day, I'm definitely not going to treat it even as, as a special occasion when I'm cooking it. You know, it'll eventually come off steak again, put on the on the stove, whatever. Whereas if I'm having it once a month, it's like make the coals perfect, stoke them so they got their little flame. Make sure the grill is cool. Make sure that it's covered in the right stuff. It's got the it's got the oil and the and the salt and the pepper, and then the fire is exactly ready. And I put it on for exactly the right amount of time. And I'm like, okay, I want. You know what I mean? It becomes a work of art, yeah. and it becomes a quality. To, it comes a quality to that meal that then you put it in front of your wife, and it's that amazing thing. Where instead of like every night just steak and i think i think everything's in life to enjoy and i don't want to i don't want to rule out aspects of my life that i enjoy i don't want to rule out movies because i love watching movies but when it becomes an everyday thing or four times a week that we're watching series and let's be honest this is what i mean by the culture creep and the creep of technology series have become the quality of movies you know in the back in the day you had your series you had it once a week and it was not the standard of like a blockbuster now you're putting on these these series and they're almost better quality than a lot of movies out there and the excitement yeah. is my wife was saying it's like it's like a movie every episode or every five minutes is a movie because there's a climax like a problem to solve and a violent thing happening <laughs> but it's it's i agree it's just a better drug right like it yeah. is so what you've described right is like I'm not in the moment because I'm craving something. And then I go and I experience the thing that I'm craving. So I get my dopamine hit, but then instantly because I indulge every day, it's not really that big a deal. So that the cycle between craving and satisfying that craving gets tighter and tighter to the point where now in order to get something even close to being the right amount of dopamine into <clears throat> your system to kind of feel even a remote amount of pleasure, it requires a lot more of this product, right? I've not, I'm not an addiction specialist and I'm, thankfully I've not experienced um, addiction to like hard drugs, but I can tell you, we've talked about my, my food issues in terms of, you know, binging on sweet stuff. You know, my son and my daughter, but mostly my son, 
you know, he loves veggies. He'll sit and like last night, he's like, I just want veggies, dad. So we cut up a giant plate of veggies and everyone sort of sat around, watched the movie and just devoured a plate of veggies. And then for him, like a small little chocolate or a small little something afterwards is a really big reward. Whereas for me, if I'm not slamming half a box of chocolates, it's not hitting that, that reward center for me. So that's what we've, what you've essentially described, right. Is, is an addiction to that, that dopamine hit that comes from watching these movies. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, um, we're not prepared to wait. Like, do you remember, you remember watching, and I don't, I think, you know, it's something that's going to be lost on a lot of people and maybe it's just a little nostalgia, but like, do you remember when you'd go down to Blockbuster or whatever, and you'd get Mm. your video Yeah, almost as exciting as the movie itself were the previews, right? Like, oh my God, next fall is going to be this incredible epic and all your buddies would talk about it and you'd watch the trailers and, and now it's just like, feed 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 and and it's constant and you're right the the quality of of the of the tv shows is so high but i think that's to feed our addiction like we're not we won't tolerate lower quality lower production value because that's a lesser drug thank you but so it, it it's fascinating and i'm trying to pay attention to how like i'm not a conspiracy theorist I'm just not, you know, and, you know, there's, there's a few things going on in the world today where people are talking conspiracy theories and I'm not going to lie. I just gloss over. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I can't, I can't do conspiracy theories, but do I think that media, whether that's the social media apps, movies, TV shows, Netflix, Disney plus whatever is absolutely based on an algorithm to get inside of my head mm-hmm. and just hook me. Oh Yeah. Like, no doubt. Do I honestly think someone's sitting around and being like, hey, hey, how do we how do we take over the world through Netflix? No, I don't think that's what people do. I just think they go, how do we sell as much of my product as possible? And they're really, really good at it. Um, but, you know, so I've tried to view it as a bit of an addiction, um, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, and that's that's the way it is. But I want to talk about this concept of intentionality, though, if we can wrap back around it, because it's something that we've always spoken about. And I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. Um, I talk about my son a fair bit. And look, <laughs> I had a few people, like, you don't talk about your daughter. She's awesome. She's just four. She's a little machine that runs around and eats and goes to the bathroom <laughs> and gives us some hard time and throws a ragey temper tantrum from time to time. But as my son gets older and we have more interesting conversations and he's very philosophical. You know, I had a moment earlier in the week where he and I went out one-on-one and we did a bit of shopping and he, it was the most incredible experience of my life because he was so happy. He brought so much joy to everybody at the, at the mall. He was chatting with everyone. He was complimenting people. He was chatting with strangers and just being natural, I guess is what I would say. Yet we went out yesterday. We needed to pick some things up and the four of us were in a store and he was being that same impulsive self, but the energy was manifesting in running around through the shops, crawling through the floor, jumping behind the boxes of things and generally being a shit disturber. And we were talking in the car on the way back being like, how is it that one moment, his impulse, his natural state is so wonderful 
and brings so much joy. Yet the next moment, his impulsive state brings chaos. And we were trying to talk to him about being intentional, you know, being aware of your surroundings, deciding how you're going to interact with each situation. But then I thought, but then he's going to stop doing all the wonderful stuff that he does in the mall or when he were out in public, when he just stops and says hello to every stranger, when someone's walking by and he'll be like, I love your dress. That's a really awesome dress, you know, or boy, I love your dog or like, man, your hair is so cool. Like he just, so I don't know. And, and this mm. is where I'm kind of struggles, maybe a, a wrong word, but I'm a little less struggling as a father is how do you balance that intentionality and that deliberateness without losing the magic that comes from being a seven-year-old who just wants to say like, Oh my God, that's the coolest hat ever. I need to go tell that person that it's the coolest hat ever. Like I've seen him make people's days over and over again, because this little child brain that isn't weighed down with social norms and graces, and he's not aware of how people might think he looks when he says something like that. He brings so much joy. So that's where I'm struggling. That's sort of something that my wife and I are thinking about these days is as fathers, as parents, where's that line between being mindful of your surroundings and being intentional, but also just the pure joy that comes from play and impulsive um, gestures of joy and love and happiness. I don't know. I don't know what the balance is because I don't want to crush that in him. And so do I have to mm. take the wild or do I not worry about that yet? Because he's mm. seven. It's an interesting conversation that we've been having. It definitely is an interesting conversation and it's got me thinking and the, the, the wheels turning inside my head. I think, I think it's definitely, I mean, these are just my thoughts off the bat because I'd have to go and sit and journal about this and think about it deeply, which I encourage guys listening always do that. Don't just take information from people and then immediately have a reaction and change your life or do something. You know, I often too often do that because I am an impulsive person. So I've been like that. So I know what it's like to be like your son. I've got a daughter who is very impulsive that we've spoken before on the podcast. And I made a post about that the other day of how much we try and direct people's lives. You know, as adults, we try and direct these people's lives in the way we see fit. And in Germany, especially, there's a very very strong bent on go to school, behave in this way, do the right thing, go to university after school, study, get a job. It's very much like, it's almost like the industrial revolution, but just on, on steroids basically, because you're not going to be making pittance. You're going to be making thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of euros. Um, it's like that here too. Same culture. So, so it's, so it's tough because I look at my daughter and you know, there's this need for her to do well in maths. And I'm just like, is there really like, if she can add and she can pay for stuff and she can, kind of like do her basic maths then does she really need to do the trigonometry and all this aspects or higher algebra that they end up doing in the higher grades does she need to be good at that and um that's just an example of it and that's exactly what it what, you, what you're talking about is like is that not going to somehow crush her creativity in other areas when i see her things that matter nothing to other people or are very of little value to the education system just her yesterday she came into my son's bed before he's coming to going to bed. And she has this like scroll, like this container of a poster container. And she's like, Queen Sophia 
has has a message for James before he goes to bed. <laughs> She's like, takes us out and announces herself and reads this little note to him, like, thank you for playing this wonderful game with me today. Here is a gift and outslides like a bell from our Christmas tree, which then he rang later while we were lying and supposed to go to sleep. <laughs> he reached the lo- I'm like, Lila's trying to sleep because he sleeps on the top bunk. We put the two small ones together. So I'm like looking at it and I'm going, okay, this is something that for a 10 going on 11 year old, you think like, oh, what the heck is that? But that's how she is. She has all these creative games and things that she creates and she loves acting and she loves to sing and she loves to do these things. And even at the doctor's office, he said, but she needs to have a, have a, um, not a degree. I don't know what the words upschluss in. Um, she needs to matriculate basically from a high school. She needs to have that high school thing. And I'm like, listen, I don't disagree that she needs to have like graduate from high school that probably that's good for her. But let's not forget these other aspects of these children that are so valuable and just as valuable as them doing maths. And for me, this is the hard thing as a father to watch the, even myself putting these expectations on my kids, even these behavioral expectations and going exactly what you're saying. Because there's times when I look at her and I go, man, that's so rad. And there's times when I go, okay, well, now is not the time for this energy to come out. And so it's, I think as parents, it brings us back circle to intentionality again is being intentional in how we operate with our kids and not reactive because i remember being on a boat with my son who's james james was like four and he was behaving like a he was behaving a bit annoying to the other germans around me and um and i then reacted badly to him because of how other people were seeing and i really was disappointed in myself when i got off that boat and i thought what are you doing dude your little four-year-old son who's a little lively guy is annoying some you know, stick up the ass person there who actually should look at him and love the little blonde boy being active, but is actually annoyed by him. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to like love, love him and be happy, but I took on their disapproval of him. I took it onto myself and cared more about what some random person thought about my child than actually where my child is going. So, but then there is the question of like, how do you guide them to then behave in society in a way that does make people happy? So how do you get Caleb to be bringing that more often and then when it's not appropriate to not bring it in that situation. And so I think that that's where I think it's great to teach our kids intentionality to recognize I don't have to suppress myself. I don't have to repress my emotions. I just have to be. And this is something I wish I'd learned. I just need to learn when is the appropriate time to let it out the box and be myself. And when is the appropriate time to be considered of other people and to consider the situation and go, OK, I'm on the sports field now. The goal is to win this game. It's not time to go and have a big chat with my friend. I mean, we've all seen this on the field. The boy that like James <laughs> that was, was me standing. playing. That was me playing soccer. James is the same. I mean, and I was and and it was so funny because I was watching him play soccer match, and I'm super competitive, bro. I'm overboard competitive. I have to be careful because that's me from the sideline, living my ego in my son, who's there as a representative of me. I mean, I'll what a lot of bullshit. If I'm not intentional, I will think that. But he was standing there with his hands behind his back and looking, and I said to him, James, like. I said, James, hey, don't stand with your hands behind his, your back. And then he started standing with his hands in his hips. I'm like, oh, good, that, that's good. And then he was like, and then I said, James, like focus on the game and get in there. And it might seem a little bit harsh. And his coach let me for the first time, which was really nice because a lot of coaches are like, just shut up to the parents here in Germany. because they, And for good reason, because parents are just, you know, it is in, in America and South Africa where parents are on the sidelines just getting completely beyond themselves. But then I, I got him to focus and I got him to show the body language. And then he started, then he started getting stuck in it. And he was, he had a really good game from being useless, basically standing there like off with the fairies to then being effective in the game. And he felt great because after he came off, I high fived him. He tackled a couple of guys. I have video evidence. 
He fouled a couple of guys and he started to realize that he's really good at defending and chasing guys down. And so there was the thing of like, okay, that's the balance and the intentionality as a dad. I go, okay, he's in this game. He wants to play soccer. He wants to feel good about himself at the end of it and not just be standing on the field with the fairies. So let's teach him certain aspects, not make him feel bad about what he's doing because that's the problem. We like to shout at our kids, like, don't do that, don't do this, but rather go, James, when you get in that situation, if you're standing, you can't stand with your hands behind your back and you need to watch where the ball is and make sure that this is what's happening because you're part of a team and they rely on you to stop these guys coming through. Once he understood that, then he enjoyed the game and he performed. And it wasn't just me going, okay, my son's just off with the fairies. Because I think it is our role as parents to, to do that. But, but I think the intentionality starts with us. I don't know if you agree. It starts with us just being intentional that when Caleb, for instance, is in that moment to then say, dude, I loved it when yesterday you were doing all these great things and telling everybody and don't lose that because that's awesome about you. But just think about what's happening around you here. You know, what, what, look at what's happening. Do you think this is the place to now do that? Are you, are you seeing the same smiles on people's faces? And that is a sticky place to go, Josh, because isn't it like trying to teach our kids to find approval in other people? So, you know what I mean? I'm just giving my thoughts, oh, yeah. first of thoughts, because I'm like, do I want to teach my kids to really always do what, be who they are so that other people approve them? So I'm almost well, back 160, well, 180 degrees. <laughs> it, it does. And it's, Cause it's complex. And then I try to not layer on that complexity for him. Right. We do. Yeah. We often talk about time and a place. And that's something that we've said is, mm-hmm. you know, in the language that we, my wife and I use with him is like, look, you have some incredible gifts to offer, <clears throat> but when you're on quote unquote on all the time, yeah, we don't experience it, you know, cause it's, it's always silly. It's always goofy. It's always out there. It sort of becomes white noise. Like the um, steak becoming exactly exactly so a time and a place but you know for him he's like well and because it's caleb and these are the questions he asked like well then how do i know Hmm. and in my mind i'm thinking exactly to your point well you got to read the room well one that's a lot for a seven-year-old to do is to be able to read the room but also again how much of that is because we don't want to be embarrassed by his behavior (laughs) how much of that is because well you should you should accept certain societal rules but it's that same society that we think is ridiculous and asinine and I hope exactly. he doesn't follow all the rules. Yeah. You know, I followed all the rules and I was miserable. Yeah. So, and this is, but this is the beautiful screwed up complexity of raising children and trying to keep them happy and not fall into the pits that, that you know, you and I fell into. Um, so I don't know, you know, it, it's, it's, there's a, there's a significant amount of what society's offering that I'm leaving. I'm like, no, thanks. That's just not what I'm interested in yet. Yeah. You go out into the shops and all of a sudden it's like, well, don't do this. Why? Cause it might upset other people. And <laughs> I don't know, it's, um, it, 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 but that's the thing that I think that's, but that's the fun is that it's, it is complicated. Mm. It's, it is, it's necessarily complicated. Um, but then the inverse, which is funny is because I do, I agree that we need to be intentional. We have to be mindful. And, and as we get older, we should be better at knowing the time and the place, but are we, because then we sort of switch to full business all the time. And I know a lot of us, mm. you know, have a hard time playing as grownups have a hard time letting loose. And that's what I don't want him to lose. And he and I have spoken a lot about this. And in fact, it was really, really very cool. You know, we talk a lot about, 
the coaching that I do and the work that we do and, and the work that I do with mental health and, and, you know, the courses that I'm taking and he's fascinated by them and we're, he's fascinated by purpose and passion and what are, what are purposes? Um, you know, he, he's really fascinated with what distinguishes humans from animals is that animals have a purpose and generally people don't, you know, and, and these are the kind of fun conversations that we have, but, you know, I've talked to him about, I don't want you to lose that joy of playing and being silly because a lot of grownups lose that because we default to, you have to be serious all the time. You have to be mindful of everyone else's views of you, everyone else's opinions all the time. That's what you do. And you lose that. And he turned to me and he said, well, I think I know my passion then dad. Oh, okay. Good for you. Seven, you know, and not, not cynically like awesome. What is it? It's like, I want to start a school to teach grownups how to play again and how to be silly because there's a time and a place dad. And I think that grownups need to recognize that there's a time and a place to be silly and to play. <laughs> it was like, wow, you just like, you know, jujitsu me with that one. So that's the other side of it is do I need to be silly more? Do I need to play more? Do I need to like, Mm-hmm. Have you done, I'm sure you have, walking through the mall, doing the completely stupid, silly walk with your kids or doing something that makes <laughs> them howl and laugh and everyone else around you thinks you're a lunatic. Yeah. Well, my children don't seem to, when they start getting older, they don't appreciate that much themselves. But I was yesterday, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I don't even watch the Goblet of Fire, Harry Potter. There's this, there's this part where Filch, the, the gamekeeper, like whatever, the, the, not the, no, he's the, he's the guy that looks after the castle. He, he runs into the, into the, the great hall and he runs like a total moron. And I did exactly that while I ran after speaking to you on the phone, actually, I was running with my kids and they were on their scooter and on the bike. And I ran like that while I was running. And, you know, I think they, they do like that, you know, and I think that I think that's, that's so important because once again, intentionality, and that, that is why that word is so important because when you're intentional about stuff and when you're actually thinking about it, because you can't just go on autopilot because if you go on autopilot as a parent, you, you often mess up because I think the ego is so part of it. And that's the one thing that I want to intentionally work against. And that's why intentionality is not even in the moment for me. It's like intentionally identifying the aspects of myself as a dad that are holding my kids from being free, confident, and committed to what they're doing. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to be us that is going to be setting the example, right, of these kind of things. As you say, like being silly and being fun. If we can't do that anymore, our kids see that as like, okay, when I get older, it's too serious. I can't be like that. But that's why when we do the work in the Complete Dad Network and we do the foundation builder and these things, it's so important to have that that path and that guide map to how you become that kind of father that is able to make those decisions, those snap decisions that seem, it's like they say, and uh, look, you call me an overnight success, but this overnight success took 10 years. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. It's like, well, people, oh, he's a great dad. Like, how did he get like that? It's like, oh, he just, he's just so natural with the kids. It's like, well, some of us are, maybe there's guys out there that are lucky enough to just be able to make those great decisions in the moment as they come and be like, I'm not one of them. That's why I do the work, right? That's why, there's like pages and pages in my journal and I listen and I read and I go out into the forest and I think because I know that if I'm acting out of my natural man, out of the natural reactions and the ego that I've built up or that has developed throughout my life, I'm just not going to make those decisions in the moment. And so what I want to do is do the work like we do in our group so that when the decision comes to like, like you were speaking about the time and the place thing, that I'm going to know that in that moment I can trust myself. And that's what it's about. Like, it's almost like, 
being intentional results in us able to trust ourselves as fathers to make the right decision and not always second guess ourselves because our emotions get in the way. It's like to realize, hey, dude, you're, you're reacting out of the little Tom, the, the Tom, the seven-year-old Tom yourself of how people thought of you and how you remember how people treated you. And that's for me, the thing that's going to make us really effective fathers. And I always remember you saying that not better fathers, not good fathers, but effective fathers is that effective, like effectively being able to guide our children in the right way in the moment and accepting it's not going to be perfect, but doing our best, not trying our best, but doing our best as fathers to go. Okay. And this is what I wanted to ask answer to you earlier is like, we always think about how other people think and how other people feel. But my goal is to help my children to be their best, to be happy, to be fulfilled. And if, if the way they're behaving is harming them, the way that they're feeling is actually making them feel restless and unhappy in the end of the day and stressed and get into conflict with their brothers and sisters, especially at home. That's what I want to work on. And that's what I look at my kids and I go, that's the important part. It's not what other people are thinking about my children or even the people that they fight with. It's about them being at peace and them being happy at the end of the day. And I look at my my kids and when they're getting aggressive and they're, ag- and they're angry is because like you say, you know, when they're on, when they're turned on, they're just going and going. You can't maintain that. It's like you and me, dude, I cannot maintain going and going and going because then I burn out. Then I'm at the end of the day, I'm irritable and I'm pissed off and I get angry at everything. And then I fight with my wife or I get angry with my child because I have to switch off. And so it's teaching them to go, oh, oh wow, I'm starting to get wound up. Like we were playing Pictionary now upstairs. Instead of watching TV, we're playing Pictionary. And I could notice my daughter starting to get ratchet up, getting annoyed that my son wasn't getting her pictures. But it's so hilarious, actually. The pictures that we draw for each other and how bad they are. And then how someone doesn't get it. Like, And it's actually hilarious when you play Pictionary with your kids. It's so funny. But you get frustrated, right? And you start to realize, oh, she's getting hyped up. She was excited at the beginning, but now it's starting to turn into frustration. And to understand that moment, to recognize that moment that it starts rearing its head and go, okay, guys, let's put this game down. Let's get a, let's get a tea, a coffee. You go and upstairs, read a book, and you go and chill, and then we'll come back later. Then going to talk to her when she's calm, because getting in the middle of that bull in a china shop or when they're on, they're not going to listen to you. They don't want to listen to you. Then they get even more angry with you. And I'm bad like that, bro. I'm like a dog with a bone. Like, I want to solve it now. Like, hey, stop this attitude. Stop feeling this. It's actually going, here it comes. And like, like with Caleb, like, I don't know if it is the same with him and with dads listening, but being able to start recognizing that their being on is negatively affecting them. Because if a teacher in my, in my teachers had said to me, Tom, you know, your behavior that you're doing with this, this, and this, do you see how it's impacting you negatively? Do you see how your grades are being impacted? Do you see how you are not feeling happy about yourself? Do you see how it's impacting your life? Do you see how your parents and whatever, but no one did that at school. Everyone was like, pull up your socks, tuck in your shirt because the image of the school, why are you wearing a, a, a woolen hat on the way to school with your school uniform? It makes the school look bad. And it was always about your teachers are complaining because of this. And I'm like, there was no message of like, how is this impacting you? How are you actually ruining your chances of doing things in the world? How are you hamstringing yourself when you leave school that you won't have the world as being your oyster? And for my kids, I want them to wait, get to 18 and go, hmm, what do I want to do? I want to do that. And I can not get to 18 and go, oh, I really want to be a pilot, but jeebus, look at my grades. I can't do anything. Or I really want to do that, but I didn't actually learn to express myself properly. And so it's a huge conundrum, bro. And fatherhood and talking to you today just makes me realize how complicated and how big the subject is and why having the conversations we do and having the challenges, like you just telling me about Caleb's 
thing has made me the wheels start to turn about my own children and go, wow, how much of them am I suppressing? And how much of them am I sometimes letting them be too free and, and annoy themselves? You know, it's massive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and then how so much of this is made more complicated by the stuff going on inside of our own heads. Cause that's yeah. my first filter. Yeah. My first filter is like, is this something that's bothering me? Is mm. this something that should be bothering me? Cause maybe he's being fine. They're being fine, but I'm tired yeah. <laughs> and I'm grumpy. Exactly, yeah. Or like last night we were trying to watch a movie and like your game of Pictionary, they were great for the while. And all of a sudden the wheels started to come off. <laughs> and then I was getting frustrated. I was like, I'm just trying to watch a movie. Why can't we just sit and watch a movie? Yeah. All those and, questions, eh? those rhetorical questions. We were like, why can't you keep quiet? Why, why can't you just, <laughs> because that's, because then it's me, right? And that's when you get into like, it's my own unmet expectations yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like this. But then I'm also just trying to go, okay, this acting out, this behavior, whatever that is, is their way of sort of primally signaling, I need something. Yeah. And then, because uh, there's this really cool attachment loop that, um, that uh, a therapist uh, that hangs out one of the men's groups that I'm in, who's just a phenomenal man talks about this attachment loop. And it's like, you signal, mm-hmm. like you have a need that's unmet. And typically it's fairly simple. It's like love, stimulation, food, connection, movement. Um, and then there's a need and, and you signal that with behavior, whether that's, you know, acting out, whether that's punching or kicking your brother or sister, whether that's being loud or running around mm-hmm. And then you're trying to have that need, that need be met. And that's when the parent needs to come in and and acknowledge that there's something going on. Something's not happening. So I need to acknowledge that in some capacity and then help them meet that. And sometimes that's even just helping them meet it themselves, but through that connection, right? To your point, it's like, okay, you're being fidgety. This isn't working for you. Why don't I, as your parent, acknowledge that this isn't working? That's okay normalize it and then offer a solution. Why don't we take a breather? Why don't we go for a walk? Why don't we grab a bite to eat? Why don't you grab a book? Yeah. And then, then they can start that sort of attachment circle by themselves. The challenge is that, and this is what I'm trying to be conscious of. And I shared this loop with my wife and she was blown away by it is, is like, because when they have this need and when we ignore it, when we shove it down or when we dismiss it, <clears throat> that need still exists. So they're going to soothe it in other ways. Mm. And they're going mm. to meet those needs in other ways that is probably not healthy because that's where addiction comes in. That's Amen. where violence comes in, um, which can lead to really dark and scary shit because <laughs> then they're like, I have this need. No one's helping me with yeah. it. Well, I'm going to go find some way to, to soothe whatever this need is, whether it's food or affection or whatever. And that's going to turn into crappy food, violent video games, porn, whatever in time. Exactly like us. I mean, that's exactly what I, that's as, as you speak. And I'm saying, isn't that exactly what we're talking about? Why we have to numb our pain the whole time and find that full, yep. that need that never, that never satisfies us. <laughs> yeah, that's we're exactly them. it. Yeah. So this is where I'm trying to recognize, okay, Caleb or Ivy, um, are going off the rails. They're complaining about something. They're, they're complaining that they're hungry. They're complaining that they're bored. They're okay. Mm. okay. Trying mm. to be grateful that they're, that they're sharing that need 
Sometimes you have to be subtle. That's also part of the parent is you have to be aware and switched on enough to go. Something has changed. Yeah. And then instead of being annoyed by it, you just, I'm trying to recognize it as okay. They're, they're expressing an unmet need. Something I have to get involved in some capacity and I really can't get involved with anger because then what's that going to do? They're going to hide their needs. They're going to hide what they want and get it somewhere else. And you know, I, I had a, I had a, my, my folks always told me when I was in high school and probably earlier was if you're ever in trouble, if you've ever gone somewhere, you've done some drugs or you've done, you've drank some alcohol or you find yourself in a tough spot. I want you to know that you can always call us and we won't get angry. Cause I, it, you know, I, I, mm. I had that trust. And yeah, there was a time, my high school graduation, I may or may not have been of age. We drank way too much the night before. And I remember waking up in the morning being like, I'm still drunk. <laughs> I'm supposed to drive all these people home. I got to be out of this hotel. I'm still drunk. So I called my folks up and I said, look, here's the deal. I had too much. I'm not comfortable driving all these kids home. They were there in 20 minutes. You know, my stepdad drove everyone home. My mom took me home, made fun of me in a, in a playful way, mm-hmm. you know, for being a little hungover. But I trusted her because she was really good as I grew up of recognizing a need and meeting that need by being present and helping me through what I needed so that when something big like that happened, I trusted that cycle of attachment of mm. I have an unmet need or there's an issue and I can rely on my parents to be there to help me solve the problem. And that, that moment when I felt comfortable calling her yeah, was not just the byproduct of her saying, if you're ever in trouble, you can call me. It was a lifetime of that cycle having been met with need, articulating my need, and then having a trusting, loving response from my parents helping that solution come to fruition. Mm. That was the byproduct of trust and time and presence over and over again. I was benefiting both my mom and my dad were child social workers. So they, they were sort of, you know, I was in a pretty good place. Mm. Um, so wonder I'm as screwed up as I am. Oh, with that kind of I was upbringing. wondering about that. Yeah, <laughs> most do. Um, <laughs> but that's, but that's what I'm talking about is, the frustration at the end of a Pictionary game, when you can acknowledge that, hey, you're not you're not reacting in a way that I think we're having fun now. So let's acknowledge that. Let's try to identify what that need is. Let's help you find a solution to that need with love and compassion, and then move on to the next round. That cycle repeated over and over and over and over again is what's going to lay the foundation for, I think, what most parents want, which is one day, I mean, obviously you don't want the situation, but should your daughter or your son ever find themselves in a tough spot, mm-hmm. they can come to you and say, dad, I'm in a bit of trouble. And we want them to come to us. Yeah. And that's why I think like, you know, I was chatting with a buddy of mine and, and it was a good conversation, but he's like, don't you think sometimes that you make like little things into these really big things all the time? And isn't that exhausting? Like, well, it is exhausting. And I try really hard not to make little things, big things, but the big things are the big things and how those things play it are going to be influenced by all of the little things along the way. Right. It's like we talked about with relationships. 
Very rarely do relationships end over one big event. It's lots of little things. Mm. Fitness. It's not one really good workout. It's consistent workouts over time. Diet. Da, da, da. It's the same here, yeah. I think, is mm-hmm. this these little moments of how we react or how we respond to those little moments and how we bring them into the fold and have those moments of compassion. Those are the moments that will lead up to the big event one day in the future Mm. where I need them to be confident and comfortable to come to us and say, I need some help. Mm -hmm. Mm. Maybe it's, I'm feeling depressed. Maybe it's, I'm feeling sad, maybe, or worse. Mm -hmm. So yes, you know, and we talked about this last week, is it life or death? That's why. Yeah. Well, it can be. such a big deal about all these little mm-hmm. things because mm-hmm. all of the little things add up. Mm. I agree with you. There are times I think, freaking, aren't you complicating this thing? Aren't you thinking too much about this? <laughs> but, you know, I think that when you, when you do, the, do the work and you put the time and effort into it and you do make a big deal out of these things at the beginning, they because you thought about the small things like build up to that, but also doing these doing this hard work and going deep and, and complicated and, and willing to take the time and effort and, and making them big in our minds and understanding the significance of, of it saves us a lot of little, little things along the way as well in the future, you know, because then you're just reacting. I'd rather, I'd rather work on myself and get myself to a place that whenever I have a situation, I'm also reacting in an intentional way where I'm reacting in a self-aware way where I've done the groundwork and had these conversations. So that when it happens to me, I'm not surprised or just reacting all the time. And I think that that's the the thing that we don't do. A lot of people live very unconsciously. And let's be honest, most people live unconsciously. They live from day to day, react, react, react. Listen, man, I did it for years. I did it for years. I can't believe I did it for years because I look at all the years I squandered that I was able to learn and improve myself and not improve myself for myself. Because at the end of the day, I can handle myself. I've grown up in South Africa. I've almost been murdered. I've like been, you know what I mean? It's it's a country where it's beautiful and it's amazing, but you don't have the same security and safety. So you learn to just get up and go again. And I grew up in a family where it wasn't always easy. We had our issues and financially it wasn't, wasn't great. And, um, you know, there were other issues that I'm not going to talk about, but, you know, it's for other people now. And that's why when you do that, when you, when you, and I'm going to bring this to like a, a conclusion where we talk about the group again, because I think that is important. That's what you and I want to do. We want to have these conversations on the air so people can take knowledge and skills and apply it in their life. But most of all, I want guys to join us, to have the conversations, to work with us. Because when you start at the beginning and go, why the fuck am I here? What do I want? What does my heart want? What, what do I actually want? Like, who the fuck am I? Okay, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm working as a lawyer. I'm working as a finance, finance uh, consultant. I'm a banker. But what do I really want? Okay, I've got three kids. I've got a wife. I've got the house. I've got the car. I've got the neighbors looking at me jealously, but I'm unhappy. And I'm really unhappy. Who are you? I'm still getting <laughs> pissed with my kids. And I'm, I'm away on business when actually I'm missing my child's football games and their concerts. Okay, cool. So now you've decided what really makes me tick. What do I really want? And that, that, that in itself is the massive question that I've been asking over the last month for myself. Because if I can't figure that out, how the hell am I going to move on to the next thing of what's really important to me? What are my core things that I value? And once you've got, I don't want to hear someone say, oh, my children are the most important to me, but then their whole life is completely different. And I'm not talking about just not being there for their kids. I'm thinking about the way you show up as a father. I can't say my children are the most important thing for me if I'm not showing up in a way that says that out loud. Not to other people that when I lay my head on my bed at the night or I look at myself in the mirror, I go, you know what? Your core priority is 
your children. Because you know what? The whole way you were today, you were doing it. And that doesn't mean I go don't, spend, don't go spend time running by myself and taking time in the morning and reading books and working on myself. Because if I am not taking care of myself, then I can't take care of my children properly. So it's knowing that everything I do during the day is of service. I'm not there yet. And it's a freaking huge high goal of mine. And, and it's the goal that I probably will never reach. But as long as I have that goal, I know that every day I'm getting up and going, writing in my journal, where I fucked up, where I made mistakes and where I can improve to become that dad that then doesn't have these children that have the same hangups as me, as you, as most of our generation do, because our parents just didn't have that information. And so in the course, we deal with those things first and then getting those core priorities and going, are these really your core values? Like the one guy in our group said, listen, hey man, I don't know if my kids are on my freaking top five or my R1 or two and I feel bad about them. We're like, no, dude, that you can say that and to us and admit to that is the beginning of like yep. is the beginning of working forward because so many men are out there going what's most important my wife or my kids and you're like come on bro let's have let's wanting, have wanting real, it to be a priority versus yeah, let's have a, a real let's have a real conversation about that so putting those core values in place intentionally and then like you say once we've done that then we can start actually crafting a vision that is really in line with who we are what our heart really desires and what's most important to us because if our if we are following that inner need that has not been met and we thinking it's getting met by a woman being attracted to us or making a lot of money or you know ruling the boardroom then we're going to keep doing that shit until we actually realize and admit to it that this is actually taking us down the garden path and that's where intentionality comes in is going i really need to work on this i really need to do these steps you know well the thinking that got us here won't be the same kind of thinking that gets us through it so the approach to life that has brought us to listening to this podcast yeah, and yeah, wishing exactly. that we were a better father, yeah. wishing that we were a better husband, wishing that we were a better man, it's going to take a paradigm shift. And that's what we're trying to do yeah, in this group. Exactly, right? yeah. It is like sharing the tips and the tools. It's not because we have all the answers, but yeah, you know, in, in some respects, we've done some of this work already. We've had tremendous amount of success, I think. I mean, doesn't mean that we're, we're done by any stretch. But I can tell, you know, Tom, we've, we've been friends for a few years now. We've both made significant progress in who we are as men, who we are as fathers, who we are as husbands. We're getting better. Hmm. And we've distilled the work that we've done into modules, into things that are like critical waypoints along the way. Building blocks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's why i'm so excited about this and and what we've seen with the guys who've gone through the course already is it works because it 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 works because it gives them another way of thinking and seeing the world and that's it right is the thinking and the thought process that got us here isn't what's going to get us through it we have to change it up but you're right. It's not about having all the answers. It's about asking the questions because, I mean, you you said something. You asked that question about Caleb and the two scenarios. Like for me, you just saying that then got me to think about my children and all the ways, all the areas that I've been doing that, you know, and, and then thinking in the future of like, okay, when I go upstairs, like how am I going to recognize that it's just me and my ego and my feelings and how am I, how am I, because a lot of the way I even raise my kids is they don't even have to be in the situation. But I'm already worried about how they are going to show up in a situation because they're showing up now in my kitchen like this. Are they going to go now into the world and be like this? And so I'm operating out of fear a lot of the times, you know, instead of intentionally going, okay, like you said, 
like having that conversation with you, thinking now about, well, how much do I want my child to be who they are? And how much do I want to protect that uniqueness? Because I don't want my kids to be like somebody else. And I don't want to lose the uniqueness that is James, Lila, Sophia, and Tyler, because I want to put the expectations that someone else has on me. Like Joshua thinks this, so now I better have this. Or that guy's a great rugby player, so now I better train my... You know, it's the same thing. It's like going, well, oh, that kid's great at this. My kid has to be good. And I think that's where a lot of this is 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 wrong, is that society has an expectation on how children should be. And this is what I have. I'm a school teacher, but I have a major problem with school. I have a big problem with school because mass and language lessons are put on a pedestal as this like measure of somebody's intelligence and ability. And you go, well, this is just the tip of the iceberg or not even. It's just like one step on this whole thing that we know as life as adults. And how much does that bring happiness? And then we look at that and go, oh, I don't like that. But then how much are we doing that in our own homes with our kids? We have our own, it's not maths and it might not be the language lessons or it might not be history or geography, but we do the same things. We have the set of expectations that are the world according to Tom. The world, and I did it yesterday. I, I do it all the time. It's like you pontificate and you have your own opinion and you don't, you aren't willing to slow down and go, you know what? I might just actually be completely wrong about this. And this might not apply to that child. And it might not apply to this child. And what applies to this one isn't going to work for that one. And what worked for me, getting my ass kicked in school and smacked by my teachers, which I really actually thrived on. I know it sounds completely mental, but I loved having tough rugby coaches that if I talk back to them or whatever, would give me a whack and make me feel like I was, I, I thrived on that. I love that. I love when someone pushes me and kicks my ass. Like I just always have loved that. Like when someone pushes me to go harder, I like that. And it makes me feel good, but it doesn't work for every boy and girl in the world. And, and no. that's just an example. And so this is why the work that we do and, you know, whether people, whether a hundred people join our course or whether we have two or three in those discussions, Joshua, like for me, they've been so so valuable for me and so impactful for me as a dad and even the person that's running the group and organizes everything to to think of those things and to really realize the impact that that has and to really believe in it because i'll be honest with you man and this guy's listening i didn't really believe in this that much i was like oh you know doing a paid course online like to work on guys problems and stuff like okay is that is that really what we should be doing and does that really work but then starting it and actually doing it Man, I mean, it's something that is unique and is something I wish I had when I was younger, dude. I so wish I'd come out of school and been able to join a group like this before I had kids, even before I had kids, and just speak to other men and to learn from them and have those discussions and start answering those questions for myself and then asking further questions and, and delving into where these issues come and why I want to watch so much TV or why I need the approval of people so much or why I'm afraid when I get up and speak in front of people or you know, there's so many things in our lives that we are operating out of the hurt and the lack from our lives that we need to deal with. And I think as fathers, if we don't intentionally go right to the freaking core that is within us and find out what is there and see how, when we ask why of all our behavior four or five times, like we talk about in our group, how we always come back to that part. You know, we mm -hmm. always come back to, well, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling inferior. I'm worried. I'm afraid of how I'm showing up as a dad. Okay. So then deal with that. Stop trying to yeah. deal with your child freaking always having a tantrum and you losing your shit because you losing your shit is just the, is the, just the, it's like the, the froth on top of this deep lake where the water's churning underneath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'd always said, I'm going to have my coaching practice. I'm going to do my work, but I'm never going to start a group. I'm not going to start a group. Yeah. And here we are. <clears throat> and I, I've never felt more 
excited and convicted that this is the right thing because yeah, the, I, I did a video on Instagram yesterday about why we're doing this and that's it is just to be able to be in a place where you can sit around with other guys mm-hmm. and have these conversations. Yeah. And look, if you, if you exist in the real world, quote unquote, and you've got 20 buddies sitting around having these deep philosophical yeah. conversations, awesome. bully oh. for you, you don't need the course, but I've not met anyone who has that. Yeah. I've not met anyone. And especially now where we're all at home, we're all working from home. We've lost the kind of water cooler banter, even if it's garbage water cooler banter, we've lost that. But, you know, we've, we've experienced it, right? Tommy, the first time someone in our group says, well, like, I'm, I'm feeling this and that fear of like, I'm going to share. And then everyone's like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, me, oh, yeah, me too. Let's talk about that. And then all of a sudden everyone relaxes and then you have a conversation about it. Yeah, it's so funny. I'm afraid about mm. why. Mm. And and never anyone is ever going to be like, really? That's stupid. Moving on. No, never. Everyone, because yeah. I guarantee you the stuff that we bring to the table, everyone's feeling. Well, remember everyone's the other day, man. Do you remember the other day where I shared that thing that I didn't want to share with a group where I really felt like freak as the, as the leader in, in inverted commas or the person that's mm-hmm. organized this. I don't want to share that. Then I share it. And then there's a guy in the group that has his own mountain to climb. But the mountain that I've still got to climb, he's climbed already. Mm-hmm. How cool was that to hear him go? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've been there and this is how it turns out. And this is what I did along the way. And I was truly, I'm going to get goosebumps, really, because I was mm-hmm. truly inspired by him. I went, holy crap, just last week, I was the one, I was the, the, the rock that he was leaning on. Yep. And now he's the rock that I'm leaning on. And that was just for me, the value. And so, you know, guys, if you're listening, like if you want to get intentional about it, this is the place to do it. It's guaranteed. I feel totally 100% confident. I wouldn't have said this a year ago, Joshua, but I feel 100% confident and committed to this process. And now we're not selling. We're not snake oil salesmen trying to, we're not trying to sell a quick fix like here we go. You know, you come and do the six to eight week course, guys. I'm sorry, but that's just the beginning. It's the first step on this long, long journey. It's not a quick fix. Like you're trying to get sold by a lot of people out there. They're trying to make money and that's the way it is. You know, at the end of the day, money makes the world go round and everybody needs to survive and to obviously move towards full time on this to really, I mean, that's the truth, Joshua, for you and me to be as effective as possible on this, we need to start moving away from our regular jobs, just so I can have time to really make this even more valuable. But the value that is already there and that we can offer and that guys can get out of that. And especially if they are committed and consistent and are really into it. Like I said, this isn't like you said, and I said, this isn't for everyone guys, but this is for anyone that wants to be committed. That's consistent that doesn't have that platform where they can go and speak to friends. They can unburden themselves. Cause we also spoke about, you know, we, if we don't unburden somewhere, we unburden on our family. Who do we spend most of the time with, especially in Corona? We, I'm like, I'm surrounded by these people all the time at the moment. And if I'm not speaking to you or speaking to someone else with broad shoulders, and when you're in a group in a community a brotherhood, you're speaking to 10, 12 different guys who then can obviously input to you. And it doesn't weigh on you. It's actually a beautiful thing. It's funny how it almost, transmutates or like the alchemy that takes place when someone unburdens it almost fills me with like like excitement and hope of like wow man someone's telling me what they're going through shit i'm going through the same thing or wow i can help this person i'm not so useless i'm not so you're sharing the load right yeah, that's exactly. the thing and it feels We're good sharing the load yeah and it feels good it doesn't feel as though and so that's what happens that alchemy from a burden from someone else bringing to actually being a bond that bonds you together with other men and then what do you do? You can go back to your family instead of unburdening on your wife or your kids in other ways, 
because you won't go and most likely go tell them how you feel. You're not going to go sit with your son and tell him all about your life and your problems at work and the issues that you have with their mom and whatever, but you're going to unburden on them in a different way. And so that's the whole thing, guys. So yeah, Josh has been a, well, it's, um, we get pretty deep on this podcast and pretty, pretty open and sharing things, but guys, if you want to come do the work with us, um, the course, the new course intake starts on the 3rd of January. It's not necessary that you have to join on that date. You can join the community at any time. But that if you want to get going and get the foundations and run with us right from the beginning, we kick off with a foundation course first week on Jan 3rd, where we do an introduction week where you guys fill out a bit of a survey. We get to know you guys. We have a bit of a chat about time management and what our intentions are. And then we move through six modules, including core values and crafting vision and looking at all the self-defeating beliefs and ideas we've had in the past about ourselves, which is super important. That's one I think that impacted people the most is just looking at how we've started to believe these things and condition to, you know, hamstring ourselves through our whole lives by ideas that were put onto us as we're kids. And then we look at other aspects of mindset and then look at habits and how to put these small incremental steps in place. And then week eight is bringing it all together and firming up that foundation so that then you can not only gain from the group going forward, because when you have that foundation, you're actually able to move. Like you said, you take a different approach and then to also contribute so that we have a community of everybody contributing to each other instead of people sitting on the sidelines or spectators. Everyone's in the game. Everyone's able to contribute and everybody's able to grow. So check that out on Mighty Networks. It's the Complete Dad Network. And check us out on Instagram at Joshua Laycock and then um, for the, the Complete Dad at the Complete Dad. And there in the bio, you have the links to the course and everything. And Joshua and I are constantly working on improving and tweaking and making this really as impactful as it is uh, for every man that joins so josh as usual um thanks so much for getting my brain turning and thinking and reflecting and uh <laughs> giving me new Likewise, brother always always i look i look forward to these man <laughs> cool guys thanks for joining guys and don't forget to keep on working to be the complete dad that's mentally physically and i think most of all emotionally have an awesome week gents ciao